0: pod is back, and it is March, two days away from the official beginning of the month as we record this, but by the time it hits your podcast apps, it will likely be either February 28th or March 1st, so a very pleasant welcome to March. This is March, and this is conference tournament time, Brad. There were conference tournaments going on as we began recording today with the ASUN first round. Uh, I'm very excited for Arch Madness. I will be making the trip down to St. Louis for the semifinals and finals of that this coming weekend. Um, We talked a couple weeks ago about the the death of the Ohio Valley uh, opening conference championship game. But man, oh man, is this going to be fun. We had a great weekend uh, this past weekend to set the tone with some really crazy games, crazy buzzer beaters, insane finishes. Lots of fun.
1: So just kind of touching on your upcoming schedule. Really yes. quick. So, Arch Madness, that's that's a, still a Sunday afternoon finale? Correct. I mean, the, I, I noticed about a couple weeks ago that, you know, there was a big glut in the middle. And it seems like Drake, who we I think we probably all had as a preseason team in the Valley, given that they've yeah. returned so much and they had Tucker DeVries, who's the best player in the conference, legit NBA player. On, on the wing there, and they had so many guys back from their NCAA tournament team a couple years ago. Um, and then Dr- Drake had some slow starts. You had Bradley had that issue where they were getting just crushed every time that, that they, they were away from home. And then you had Indiana State, which was so hot. And then they kind of faded off, and now they're storming back. Um, plus, you 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 had a tweet about Belmont the other day too. So there's. Maybe not a uh, a team that's as good as past Valley winners. Yes. But but there's still a team, you know, like like a really good 12-13 seed that could knock off somebody.
0: Yeah, the conference rank for the Valley has been watered down by the fact that um, they have four really bad teams: Illinois State, Valpo, UIC, and Evansville are all a 270th or worse in Ken Palm. Um, so that's obviously a bit of a damper, but I think the top is really good. That top six to me, to me, I mean, all those teams are very, very good. And even like Murray state, we talked about early in the season. They had that nice run at the uh, Myrtle beach uh, event. Haven't really had a great year, 11 and nine in the league, Not bad considering you're transitioning and you lost you know, really your whole team, but um, Bradley and Drake, I think are a little bit above everybody else. And then Belmont, 21 wins, Southern Illinois, 22 wins, one at Oklahoma State, Indiana State, you mentioned, and then Missouri State, who's playing really, really well right now, um, comes into the tournament having won four of six, been really competitive, really, really talented, very athletic. They were one of the teams that was loaded with transfers, and we talked about them in the offseason. So I have no idea who's going to make that final. I think Bradley Drake, at worst, would be a great, great final. Neither of those teams are really at-large caliber. Well, they're close, at large caliber in terms of the metrics, but they are not close to at large caliber with the resumes. Part of that again is the league. Part of that is non-conference stuff. Um, but I'm, I just that that is kind of a tentpole event in the college hoops calendar, that that Missouri Valley tournament, and so I'm um, excited to get down there and see what the hype is like. And then I'm hoping to go to the Horizon League tournament um, Monday and Tuesday. May just go Tuesday for the championship. Have not decided. And then I'll be at Big Ten all that week. So should be a lot of fun.
1: Speaking of fun, I mean, what an opening to Saturday with Iowa-Michigan State. Now, un- unfortunately, I, I watched this whole first half, and then I switched over to Creighton-Villanova. Um, so I missed the Fran McCaffrey thing live. Obviously, that was the, the stare-down was one of the funniest videos of, 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 of the whole college basketball season. Um, missed that, and then I missed the um, end-of-regulation comeback. Um, but I, it's, it's, it's hard to even fathom. It was like 13 points with like a minute left. Um, Peyton Sanford, the McCaffreys are all hitting shots. Michigan State hit their free throws too. Um, it's just kind of like one costly turnover in there and, uh, Iowa absolutely escapes with a win.
0: Yeah. And again, I, I think the games like this, and obviously this is an like, extreme example um but 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 results like this games like this are great illustrations of the margins that we with in college basketball right so i was now at two games that they have just completely pulled a rabbit out of their hat in um being the michigan state game which is one of the great comebacks ever and then also at michigan at home um was a game they were down by seven with under two minutes to play um and then down by four with under a minute to play um came back got it to overtime and won the game they, they had that four-point play i think again by sanford um so two just like really kind of fl- fluky results you you flip those as losses and all of a sudden this is a 16 and 13 in 10 iowa team with a loss to eastern illinois it's probably not going to the assembly tournament right it, it, it It is so you know such thin margins. Missouri, a similar team, right? They've had three games where they've had buzzer beaters to win, completely changed their trajectory. That UCF game in the non-conference, I don't remember who it was they were playing in conference play where goal. Tennessee. Yes, yes, that's right. Um, But then you go on the other side. It seemed like New Mexico, right? Where New Mexico is now seven and nine in conference play. Look, they've earned their likely missing the NCAA tournament. They lost at home to Wyoming, Air Force, Fresno, et cetera. Fresno as well. But also New Mexico lost on a buzzer beater by Lamont Butler over the weekend against San Diego State. They lost on a buzzer beater by Keenan Blackshear that like hung on the rim forever against Nevada at home. And they lost on that like really really bizarre flagrant one call um, at Nevada in late January. And that kind of started there. There's tumble because they were 18 and two. Since then, they are two and seven. Oh. Um Like, but you flip those three results, right? New Mexico's a lock. Even with those weird losses, they'd have like five quad one wins and like these road wins at the same area that they'd be cruising. So the margins are very, very, very tight. Um, it's, it's why we love college basketball. It's also why, as a coach, you kind of pull your hair out. It's also, again, why I laugh at some of the metrics talk because I had to go through this again today with a person in my mentions asking me about how, you know, how in the world is Nebraska not above Ohio State in the metrics. It's like, well, Ohio State basically loses every game that plays in close games. Nebraska's gotten blown out in every loss it's had. If you keep doing this, eventually water will find its level, and Ohio State will be a better team, right? If you play, if you play out a season, that's the entire basis of KenPom, right, or T-Rank, or any of these things, right? And they 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 have their flaws, but at the end of the day, right, like water will find its level, where eventually Missouri is probably not a tournament team. If Missouri keeps playing it out over and over again, they're probably not going to keep hitting these buzzer beaters and keeping a tournament team. But it's a 30 game sample, and you catch the right breaks, you hit things at the right time, and all of a sudden you're cruising on into March. And it certainly appears that the Hawkeyes will cruise to March. It certainly appears that Missouri will. And for New Mexico, it seems like they're probably auto-bid or bust. doesn't mean they can't win that auto-bid. They have shown that they are dangerous. But sometimes you kind of worry about a team's psyche when you lose games like that over and over.
1: Yeah, confidence is something that's not, you know, talked on enough. Yeah, people think that the players are all robots. You know, myself included sometimes. Um, yeah. you know, b- between performance, between decisions on where to commit to, uh, you know, we we kind of talked about that in, in jest last year that I should just be picking these locations for players. I'll, I'll I'll hook them up with good spots. Um, you know, how many times did we talk about just you know giving Louisville another guard? Um, you know, the per, pretty much the whole the whole summer. That's, that's what 12, 12 shows one a week i think we touch on that every single week um but yeah with the whole metrics talk people are like they're 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 going to mcdonald's they're asking for spaghetti and meatballs and then throwing a fit when they get a cheeseburger you know like the metrics are are based on you know the efficiency margins and you know there there's specific components in, in the metrics when you're upset with a result and you're like, well, that that only happened because you know, one game we got blown out. Well, like that's that's the point, right? Like you can't be like, well, if it weren't for these blowouts, then the metrics would be different. Well, like yeah, that's 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 the whole point. If it's also funny because of it like- doesn't have efficiency in it. You know, go look at supposedly wins above bubble doesn't have efficiency. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that one, but like RPI doesn't have. Uh, you know, the KPI course.
0: is good, yeah. yeah. The KPI, yeah. The uh, whole the whole thing is is baffling because again, we spent. I mean, we were podcasting when the RPI was a thing. All you'd ever hear about was how bad the RPI was, how stupid it was, how you know it didn't reward you for how you were playing, just who you played and whether you won or lost. Well, you know, how is this team so high in the RPI? How is this team so you know low in the RPI? Well, now we get rid of, you know, get rid of the RPI. We go to this, this net because, you know, the RPI was way off from what Kenpom was. And we said, well, Kenpom is, is the standard. So then we get the net, and that's like Kenpom. Well, oh, right. this and net sucks. This is stupid.
1: Right, because the most common complaint, right, is whether it's RPI or net or, or whatever metric, they'll, like, point to a specific team. Like, well, how can Team X be ranked here? right and with rpi it's like very it's very obvious it's like you know, the reason everyone said like you want to play vermont you want to play new mexico state because those teams that can go 18 and 0 17 to 1 in their conference that's what gives you a big rpi right and now we get people saying oh you know all these big 12 teams why are they so high in Ken up well because you you get into that Echo chamber where when you're only playing higher ranked teams, there's basically nowhere to go but up, unless you like really screw up and like really get your brains beat in multiple times. If you just play normal competitive B minus conference basketball in the Big Twelve, you're gonna be like 18th in Ken Palm. That's what it is. We know that's what it is. And you know there there was a tweet the other day where it's like. The net is so stupid. Clemson moved up 26 spots, and which there, wasn't even true. They it wasn't even true. That's, that, that's why you can't take these people seriously because it's like that. That's not even remotely true. That's like that's like message board 101. on that like people just like say stuff and it's like that is not even <laughs> remotely true. Like because you know we we have to face it. Most college basketball fans. And, and not not the ones listening now, but most of the ones that are on the message boards, right, they're not actually basketball fans. They're fans of, like, their team and, like, maybe the conference. Yes. They have absolutely no perspective of anything. Yes. Like, there was somebody who this was, um, like, right after the first conference game. So this was, like, December 15th. Somebody said, "Oh, uh, on the broadcast, the announcer said like Bryce Hopkins will be first team all the East." And this guy's like, "No, he's not even close." I said, "Well, well, who's your first team?" Well, like, oh, I haven't watched any of the other teams, so I don't know. That's that's like the that's like the the guiding principle of every single message board, every single fan base in college basketball.
0: But yes, inevitably, the biggest problem is that we have people who don't know understand what they're looking at. I think the NCAA could. They don't want to understand what they're
1: looking
0: at. at. Yeah, they could. The NCAA could make the net more transparent. I think it would be an improvement. You know, uh, there there are things we could do to make the process better. But at the same time, like, there are just people who do not understand. like, Like, it's not rocket science, people. It really isn't. So, um. Gonna find another thing to be mad about, right? Like, oh, if we go back to you know, if we get the, the wins above bubble, people complain about that. We get this, we get people to complain. It's just people are meant to complain when their team or their conference isn't getting the amount of respect that they perceive that it deserves. Um, but I I I will I do want to combat one more narrative before we move on from the metrics talk and we get into some of the games, great games, and the sport is not played on a spreadsheet. Um look. I've seen a lot of like, oh, you know, the, the net is screwing the mid majors. The mid majors are not getting the bit, you know, the opportunities, whatever. Like, how do we explain that FAU is 10 spots higher in the net than Ken Palm? How do we explain that Oral Roberts and like College Charleston are like top 50? They haven't played anyone. They're blowing people out. They have a chance, right? Like,
1: the net is screwing them because that's the point, because they're actually not that good. Like College girls is good. not like top ten in the net because they're not a top ten team.
0: They're like a top sixty team. Right. But yeah, like the idea that like, oh my gosh, like the net is the thing that's stopping these mid-majors getting in the tournament. No, it's just, they have no wins. Oral Roberts hasn't beaten a quad one team.
1: And there's only so much you can do blowing out the two hundreds. Because even a game where they win by like ten points at home against Team 250,
0: you're moving down. And again, Oral Roberts has done an amazing job, did everything right. The the problem is that we have like a fundamental scheduling problem in college basketball where mid-major teams do not get the opportunities to play better teams at home and on neutral courts. And because of that, they are fundamentally disadvantaged in trying to get into the NCAA tournament. And in some ways, part of that is probably like a good thing for the NCAA tournament product because, as as you said, a lot of these one-bid league mid-major teams – are actually no are not better than these high majors, right? But I also think that if you gave them opportunities, a lot of them would be competitive or close. And I I I want we want to see like, like Oral Roberts being not, not not being in the tournament this year in favor of like South Dakota State would suck.
2: It would suck. But absolutely
0: like I don't under like I don't know that there's a like the the the, the only way to actually fix all the problems people we are talking about is like fundamentally reshape house scheduling works and no one's going to do that because the people who have the money have no interest in doing that because why would like why would like the commissioner of the big 10 be like yeah you know what we really want is to give out these home games right? i mean remember we, we actually and this is actually a good transition remember we joked in november about you know the pac 12 like completely shooting itself in the foot by this you know legacy series of the swack? yeah the like Arizona State might miss the NCAA tournament because they had to play on the road at Texas Southern.
1: You no, know, they got that huge win on that great buzzer beater against Arizona, and and they'd they be like,
0: they'd be clearly in the field today if they hadn't didn't have that loss.
1: And I and I love watching this Arizona State team. I've been saying it all all year. They're explosive. They're fast. Their guards are great. They're athletic. You know, they have they have a lot going for them. Um, they're 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 a fun team to watch. And you know, there was there was a minute last week where USC was staring down the at Colorado, at Utah, Arizona State, obviously at Arizona, daunting task. And if those games went according to plan, the Pac-12 would be in line for two bids. And now USC does a great job taking care of business. They're playing up their talent level. Arizona State's very talented. They're playing up their level, too. Um, and now now we could get four, four bids again. But, I mean, you're right. I mean, Arizona State, they have at USC and at UCLA left, right? So um, if they lose both of them, they're probably on the wrong side of the bubble. Or or at least they're, like, square on the bubble. Flip flip a coin. Um,
0: And, And, again, the tricky thing will be is conference tournament time, when you have a weaker league, you're not getting as much for these wins, right? When you get neutral court Utah in the second round instead of neutral court Iowa, Right, that win is going to mean less. So if Wisconsin's moving the needle and the Arizona State's not, Wisconsin's probably jumping. So, it, it, but we all know the conference tournament games don't actually count. Maybe I'm the sure Thursday games do, but my de- hot the conference tournaments are going to count more this year. You
1: think they will count more as a response to them clearly not counting last year?
0: Correct. Correct. Yeah, but we don't know, right? Regardless. Arizona State, like a not like a, and again, Arizona State, if they're a tournament team, should beat Texas Southern on the road every single time. But like we did see what happened when a high major league had to play road games against even a low major. They lost those games. And I think this would happen more if these types of events were mandated or reg, or or were regular and were not just a one-off thing for racial equity. And you know, quite frankly, again. If you're the pac-12 commissioner and you know the big west's commissioner comes and says you know what would great for college basketball if like cal had to play at you know uc riverside why would the pac-12 commissioner even like ponder doing it after
1: right. what happened
0: with this black i mean they might cost them a bit
1: they have they have absolutely no no leveraging you know you you were saying earlier the way to uh, get more of these good mid-major teams into the NSA tournament was scheduling. I vehemently disagree. I think the only way, the only like realistic way is to just expand the tournament.
0: Well, the other realistic way would be to get rid of the um conference tournaments, but that's not realistic
1: because they would have to give right. up the, T- the TV money,
0: yeah.
1: correct. Which, yeah, I. I think probably in a vacuum is worth it more to have your tournament on TV. Maybe your second best team, maybe your third best team, knocks off your best team, um, but you'll still have you know, probably a puncher's chance at getting that first round NCAA tournament upset. I think that's probably worth more a you know, worth worth more to that league than it is to just not have a conference tournament and just send the top team and that team may, may, ha, maybe has a little bit better of a chance. You know, like, like think of the CAA this year. If they said, you know, we're not doing a tournament, College Charleston, you're our best chance you're going. Like, would it be the end of the world if Hofstra won the conference tournament or if Towson won? I I, I think especially Hofstra, um, you know, with all their transfers, and they tied Charleston for the top of the league, right? Um, yeah, they, would have, the
2: moment,
1: yeah. Yeah, they right. would have ju- just as good of a chance of knocking off Kansas State or Iowa State or wh- whomever in, 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 in the first round, yeah. Right.
0: There, there are very few examples where it's a massive drop off. Like in the Summit League this year, it's a pretty big drop off. In the MAC this year, like Iona's got a way better chance of winning a game than like Sienna does.
1: But that's that's where the creative scheduling of the conference tournament bracket comes in,
0: and you do the WCC style. But the OVC does like a double buy, and they they've gotten picked off a lot over the years. So I don't know if it actually works. I, I would actually be interested in someone doing a study and seeing like how many times it actually has impacted the the outcome. Because the, the WCC doesn't count because Gonzaga and Saint Mary are so much better than everyone else. But like the idea that like like it's not going to be a fair judgment. You need like another, a league like the, the OVC or the Valley or something like to do that. So I don't know. It's all flawed, but I think again. The, the idea that like oh wow the net is the reason why it is absurd. And I just wanted to put that out to the abyss before we move on to the games.
1: Yeah, that that Iowa Michigan State first half was electric. Right. Um, you know we're going going up and down. We got Philip Abraca was making some moves. Uh, Malik Hall made some crazy tough shots. Hogard hit a three. Uh, it, it was back and forth. It was it was a great first half. And then the. Um, Uh, Villanova had extended a pretty big lead over Creighton, so I switched back there where Eric Dixon was just pulling Kalkbrenner away from the rim, hitting threes, and then with their whole, um, you know, dribble, dribble, jump stop, Villanova style, Kalkbrenner was getting caught rotating too much, and then they jump stop, reverse it for a three. Um, So Villanova looks, if not great, I'd say they look they look scary. They're,
2: they're, they're playing at
1: a tournament caliber level. I would not want to play them in the Big East tournament. Um, the, the crazy thing is getting the hobbled guy with one leg transformed their defense. Even even more so than their offense. Like Just throwing Justin Moore in there and he's replacing a good defender in, in Archie Diakono, but for whatever reason. You know, he's a little bigger, a little stronger. Ever since putting him in, you can, you can tell this by looking. The Villanova defense is much sharper. Um, which that also be a communication thing. Yeah, that's a huge reason for, you know, they knocked off Xavier and Creighton this week. Um, and upcoming have at Seton Hall, which they should win, and that should push them into a quadrant one road win territory, uh, which would be nice. And then they close the season national Fox game against UConn. Uh, which that could really help them move, you know, eight to ten spot in the metrics. Their season, their their season's have been doomed uh, since that November of losing all, all these close overtime and close one possession games. But
0: and part of it again is they played a really uh, a very challenging non conference schedule.
1: And they had Iowa State in overtime. They had Michigan State and Temple down to one possession. They they played Oregon down to the wire. And then they screwed up in conference losing to DePaul and Butler. It's just too too many screw ups. because
0: yeah, 'Cause I've seen like like I know Seth Davis was saying, yeah, maybe they could make they could get in if they make it to the Big East Championship. I'm like, we're really putting in like eighteen and fifteen or nineteen and fifteen Villanova with like a bad loss. Not for me. That opening game against Temple should, and... Yeah. The uh The easier path for them is just to win the Big East tournament, which I think is possible. It's it's looking
1: like they'll play Xavier in the first round. That's obviously assuming Providence beats Xavier on Wednesday. Um, But Villanova, if they beat Seton Hall, um, they'll be the sixth seed. So they'll get Georgetown in the first round. uh, A a lifeless Georgetown team on Sunday uh, against Providence. Um, And Villanova's playing really well. They win that. They'll probably get three-seed Xavier. Fremantle probably will be like just be coming back. Villanova just beat them last week. So uh, that could be a good spot for Villanova to make a run. Uh, Mark Armstrong's playing a lot better now, too. They just got Jordan Longino back. Um, so they're fully healthy, and they're starting a little scary.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Um, and that was just the beginning of a really crazy day. You mentioned that Arizona State-Arizona game. I mean, again, impressive performance from ASU regardless, right? Like, obviously the win changes everything, but that is a team that is dangerous. Their shot selection is shaky. They're, you know, they have their flaws, but like you said, this is a fun basketball and they do really guard, and that's the one thing that they haven't done in the past is guard.
1: I mean, Devin Cambridge is one of the best athletes in the country. Uh, they got Warren Washington back in COVID. I'm not sure how much he's been playing, uh, but just that backcourt with Desmond Cambridge and Frankie Collins and Horn. I mean, that's
0: a ton of firepower. And again, we talk about the teams that have succeeded generally in March that have been under you know low seeds. It's often been teams that have multiple guards who can go get their own. And certainly Arizona is there. I don't think they do as good a job running stuff as like Miami did last year. But I I do think that they have the pieces, right, to be a tough out in that, that setting. They can make shots. They made 11 threes in that game. Um, you know, we're really trailed the whole way and just kind of fought and fought and fought and fought. And fought and somehow got, got, got across the finish line um, on that heroic heave that could, you know, Bobby Hurley needs to like give Desmond Cambridge a cut if this somehow gets Bobby either an extension or another job. Because, holy wow, that was, that was an unbelievable shot. Shot of the year in college basketball. Um, and like you said, they probably need one on the road this weekend to feel at all comfortable going to the Pac-12 tournament, but they at least have positioned themselves well. And their metrics aren't great, but like to me, like I look at Arizona State and like they're over 500 in in Q1 plus Q two games. They're four and three in quad one, five and five in Q two. Like to me, that's a pretty solid resume.
1: And and they won their uh preseason tournament, right? They they knock the crap out of Michigan, Michigan. right? And they
0: yes. beat DCU. Um and then they beat Creighton on neutral without Kalkbrenner. Yeah, Uh which is a great win. Yeah, the committee won't remember that they they like wasn't there.
1: Yeah, they, that's 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 another thing that's going to be frustrating. People mentioning, oh, the committee will will take into account X, Y, and Z. Like, no, they will not. Come on, people. Uh, but speaking of a win-win trade. Warren Washington and Desmond Cambridge for two roster spots. And Nevada? Yeah. Nevada, if they win today against Wyoming, they're up four right now in the first half. They're probably in. Yep. Arizona State obviously improved their team from last year, and um, Desmond Cambridge is like their best player, so uh, Washington starts for them when uh, he was healthy, so that's a pretty win-win trade.
0: Desmond Cambridge is, like, low-key one of the better Ivy League up transfers ever. Yeah, he started Brown. That's correct. You, you watch it, because like, how did he get to Brown? He's, like, 6'5", super long, super fast, very skilled, like, bananas. But anyway, huge win for them. Um other games in that window, you had the Miami um, collapse against Florida State that will cost them a seed line, um, um, disastrous home loss. Um, really, the first kind of show of um, show of struggle for Miami in quite some time. They had been rolling, all of a sudden, you know, kind of get tripped over by a Florida State team that is talented, but really has not played at all consistently well. They did kind of make a run on North Carolina today, and it looked for a second there that they were going to. Uh, they were going to pull off that upset, which would have been really unbelievable. Can you imagine, like, if North Carolina had blown a 20-point lead to Florida State to end its NCAA tournament hopes? Miami just
1: blew 25,
0: right? I know. That's Miami. Yeah, Miami will be, like, a five seed now, maybe a six. They had been, like, kind of working their way towards a number four seed. They also so have probably- a loss to Georgia Tech as well. Correct. So they have two kind of weirdly bad losses. They're non-con. At least they accomplished something, right? They won at UCF. They beat Rutgers. They beat Providence. Good non-conference in that league. Um, One of the better in the ACC, quite frankly. But the two bad losses and the fact that again, none of these ACC wins feel that valuable.
1: I mean, it it is so crazy because you know there was a time where like you know the ACC sucks, but they get a lot of tournament teams in. And then Wake Forest had these two great wins at Wisconsin, at ranked Wisconsin and over ranked Duke, and both those aged like milk. I mean, the, the Duke one still could be quad one. I think I saw today that ACC it has, is. Duke has is no top 30 teams in Kenpom. That's
0: mm-hmm. correct. Virginia and Duke are still top 30 in the net, but Virginia's now 38th in Kenpom. Virginia is
1: still ranked 13 in the AP poll. Like, they just got their doors blown off by Boston College, and they gave UNC like, their yeah. first good win of the year. I saw Jim Root was tweeting about how ever since they relegated Kadeen Shedrick to the backup role, uh, it's, it's all gone to shit for them. I, I noticed that even before he was really relegated, that, that they, they were playing a lot of Gardner and Vander Plaats together, which is nothing I expected. That's not a Tony Bennett move. I mean, Tony Bennett will play the center who averages like four points a game and sets 35 screens. He'll play that guy 30 minutes. You know, Jack Salt and Darian Atkins and all these, uh, you know, past like bruising Virginia centers. Um, Shedrick is, you know, much, much better athlete than those guys. Whenever I've watched Shedrick, he's been like a really impactful rim protector. Um, but for whatever reason, they've kind of gone out of character playing this you know, stretch four, stretch five with, with, with Vanderplass. And that was kind of my, um, my sneaky bad get of, of the offseason was like, I don't, I don't like the Vanderplas ad. I don't like the, the vibes of red shirting a top 50 recruit for a, a grad transfer. Um, and Vanderplas has played more and played better than I thought he would. But this uh, Virginia team is really, I, I mean, to, to say that they're, they're slipping would be an understatement. A one possession win against Louisville, a one-possession win against Notre Dame, 15-point loss to Boston College, and then they just got handled by UNC. And you
0: can even stick a step back further. That home win against Duke, oh, they okay. like, should have lost with, with the, the Foul. foul. Yeah. The narrative about this team, particularly if they played in a tougher league where they weren't playing, you know, if they played anyone else other than Louisville and Notre Dame, those two days, they would lose. Their offense has really struggled. They're, they're, they're so three point dependent. And I, I saw a stat that like in December and February, they've shot under 30% from three. And then in you know, November and January, they shot like almost 40 or something like that. I'd have to pull it to know the exact, but like, it was something along the, those lines where like, they've just been, they shot extremely, extremely well in, in, you know, in stretches. And when they've done that, they've been really good, but that, that, I mean, and again, that intuitively makes sense. Like when you watch them play, particularly if you're going to play a stretch five, like their guards just don't get downhill, right? Reese Beekman is a, is a glue guy. Kihei is Kihei. Armand Franklin is 21 night five. The next, like they just aren't really wired to score like that. I, I just think, you know, they've been, You know, they've been helped by the fact that McNeely has really given them something shooting the basketball, but it it, it, it has gotten dicey here for Virginia. For now, the resume is still pretty good just by virtue of the fact that they have those those wins over Baylor and Illinois from very early in the season and outside of the B.C. game have avoided the bad loss. But. I mean, their their upside feels very, very capped. In the instantly turn, like talk about a team that does not scare you at all. Like, like if a I'm a, five seed, right uh, on the monk brackets four or five. I've seen them as a four in a lot of places. There's still a four in the matrix.
1: I mean, I think every team that we just rattled off talking mid majors for 20 minutes, like or Roberts, Drake, Kyle to Charleston. I mean, that's, that's the value play, you know, that's Everyone team picked team. on Providence last year for their poor, uh, their, their poor Ken Palm in that first round game against South Dakota State. Um, I wonder if Virginia's brand name will keep them from getting the same lack of respect, uh, with with, with that upset pick. But that's that's clearly the di- the direction to go when your other options are like Gonzaga and UConn and who wh- whoever else is on that four line. Yeah, Kansas Xavier State.
0: could be in that four. Iowa State could be in that four. Yeah, no, you for sure. Like you're picking against Virginia right now. And again, even if they make it out, like where is the outside, right? Where is the vision where you like watch Xavier or watch Virginia? Excuse me, and you're like, man, that's a team that can go to an Elite Eight, go to a Final Four.
1: I mean, so many people had Reese Beekman as like an NBA draft pick a, a couple months ago.
0: But that's their only pro, and he's a glue guy. Right. Like, I I think the other thing too, with Virginia is, and I think Jim Root made that point when he was talking about the Shedrick deal, they were the continuity team in the off season. Right. So, you know, they come in and they play Baylor, who's got, you know, Keontae George and they're, you know, kind of working through a bunch of stuff. They're Jalen Bridges is new. They're trying to figure out life without Chum And then they play Illinois, who's all new guys, right? Like, their whole team is is brand new. And they win those games, and everybody's excited. But as the season is worn on and everyone else gets chemistry, you realize, yeah, like, this team was untalented last year, and they're still untalented.
1: They're still trying to hold on to that you can't bring everybody back thing?
0: I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying you can't bring everyone back. But, I mean, you can't watch – virginians say that they have enough talent to be an elite team
2: no
1: and you know the the fact that they have all these great recruits i, I mentioned that the redshirting isaac trout the redshirting I think leon bond too they're they're playing don and they're playing mcneely
0: and they seem very excited about it like their fans like talk about Don like he's like the next like deandre hunter type like, like nba player
1: but that—that's the model, right? Is you got these veterans, you mix in some some good young players, and then with with your veterans, you got a transfer in Vanderplaats, you got a great rim protector in Shedrick, double double guy in Gardner, you got Beekman, if if we're to believe the draft people, as an NBA player, and you got some experience with KJ Clark, who's a solid point guard. He's a, he's all, always overrated, but he's solid. And then Franklin can shoot. You know that 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 to me it is a good nucleus. I mean, I, I rank them as top twenty in the preseason. A lot of people had them top ten. You know, on on paper, that's that's the nucleus you want. The mix of young and old and returners and transfers, and they got the shooting. They should they should be good on defense. They're experienced. I mean, th- th- this was a, a very well built team. Um So in that sense, I. I I think it is very surprising
0: to see them struggle. I mean, I had them outside the top 25 because they were super talented. So I will, I don't know if I'm taking a victory lap because they're 13th in the polls, but you know, it is interesting nonetheless. Um, another team that has like really quietly, completely fallen off. And again, we, I, I think we both kind of felt this earlier in the season. I'm like, i like, kind of see it coming. I'm just not sure we knew how much it would go was Auburn. Like, Their Auburn net is still so good, bad, though. But they're not quite as good now because of the fact that they just got worked by Kentucky. That was like the one thing they couldn't do, was get worked. So, so now they're 36th in the net. They're two and eight in quad one games. They're staring down two games to end the year against Bama and Tennessee. So let's say they lose them both. They would enter the SEC tournament 19 and 12, 9 and 9 in the league. Their last win over a the, the, they, they'll have they'd have one win over a top 100 team since January 15th. Their best win in the non-conference is neutral Northwestern. It's their only win of that's a great win. Days. It's a good win. They're 47th. It's barely quad one. Um, but, yeah, are no, only 47th. In in Kenpon, let me check the net. They're 41 on the net, so a little bit more pad, but 47 in Kenpon. Um huh. It, no, because they, they, they're lucky, you know, they they went on to close games. But like there is a world where Auburn is 19 and 13 and has lost something like 10 of 13 going into the NCAA, going to selection Sunday. And that seems like a team that gets left out.
1: Well, they did beat Northwestern on a neutral, and they also beat, uh, I think, Missouri and Mississippi State, right? So they have some.
0: So their wins are neutral Northwestern, home Arkansas, home Mississippi State, home Missouri. Those are their only wins of substance. The rest of their And they have neutral Bradley as a Q2. Road Washington's a Q2. But, like, realistically, games that mean something, it's like tournament caliber teams. They have those wins. All three, none of them on the road. They've got really no bad losses, other than now the the road Georgia's not great. But I, again, part of this is just like the me thing, right? Like, like if we're gonna operate in a world where a team that loses 13 going to Selection Sunday gets into the NCAA tournament, but <laughs> Particularly too like it's not like they really did work early. Like I know they were 16 and 3, but they didn't really accomplish that much. Um, if we're gonna live in a world where that team gets in the NCAA tournament, but like 29 and 5 Oral Roberts doesn't, like what are we doing? Like what is the point of the sport? You're not so scared of Auburn. No, they well, can't that beat in Athleticism. But they can't beat anyone. They scored 43 points against Northwestern. It was one of the worst games I've seen all season. I watched them play A&M, and the game was like the 80s. How about that? Yeah, the 83-78 game against – I just – again, I'm not even saying they can't win games if they get there. I just – I don't know how you watch and say that's a deserving team when they haven't really accomplished anything. It will be interesting. They, they are one of those teams that, like, that no one – like, like last year, I'm trying to think of who the example was. I think last year, like, everyone just kind of assumed Wake Forest was in. And all of a sudden, they, like, lost two games. It was like, oh, shit, Wake Forest is not making the tournament. That's a good one, yeah. And it wouldn't – like, if, if Auburn loses two more here, which they should, right, They they sh- shouldn't win these two games all of a sudden, like, that SEC tournament
2: first-round game is going to feel like it means something. It,
1: I I think, on the other hand, Auburn doesn't have, like, too far to fall, given their opponents.
0: Correct. The only game that they could hurt, really hurt themselves in would be that...
1: First-round SEC tournament.
0: First-round game. And even then... You know, I'm pretty sure with the bracket they'll probably play someone like
1: like a Florida or something.
0: Florida, these metrics are good. Vanderbilt's top 100. Like as long as you don't, you just don't want to play Georgia, Ole Miss, South Carolina, LSU. Those teams are terrible.
1: But you know, looking at at the bubble after that, Penn State blowing a huge lead against Rutgers on Sunday, I think Penn State's probably out. I think Rutgers is probably in. Yeah. So you're looking at basically, basically just the first four out have a chance to make it, and then Charleston's usually like one team behind the first four out. They would need, I think, some bubble chaos to get an at large. But um, you
0: Charleston has the feel of the team that they just send to the first four to be nice.
1: Right, kind of what they did with, with uh, Belmont a few years Belmont. ago. Belmont, yeah, with Rick Bird. Yeah.
0: And, and they played Temple in the first I mean, round. Dayton, Dayton will become our city,
1: you know. Right, because, like, UNC is really questionable. Uh, o- Oklahoma State and West Virginia could have a ton of losses. Utah State has, like, the strong net, but there's not much else. Arizona State, they got to win by one more game at least. Um, So there's... The the bubble has shrunk pretty considerably. Where we're, were a couple outcomes from, from just like
0: deciding for Team 68? So there's a few things at play here. One is that there are a lot of teams that have a lot of losses. And I think that's probably the number one storyline is, you know, we talk about this all the time, right? You just, you gotta, you, you can't lose. Just too many games. It sounds, you know, stupid, but like in 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 reality, like the only thing that is keeping West Virginia out of the tournament is losing sixteen games.
1: Absolutely, and, and they're up right now eight eight points on Iowa State.
0: Talk about a team that's collapsing, Iowa State. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, they're seventeen eleven right now as well.
0: There's a lot of those teams though in the Big Ten and in the SEC and the Big 12 in particular that are stacking losses. Oklahoma State, uh, Texas Tech, West Virginia, all those are "quote unquote" bubble teams. They have 13, Uh, and and by the time you're getting this, it's likely that Oklahoma State will have a 14th. They're trailing big to Baylor as we record. you know, TCU and Iowa State, who are you know going to wear home uniforms, they're trending towards you know potentially 13 losses on the season. Um, you've got you know in the Big Ten, you've got Wisconsin, who has the 12 losses, 16 and 12 on the year. Penn State, who has 12 losses, they could work themselves back in if they beat Northwestern and Maryland here this week. Um, but even like the the teams in the mid pack, Rutgers has 11 losses. Iowa has 11 losses. Michigan State has 11 losses. Like, there's a lot of losses out there um, for, for a lot of these teams that are, you know, either bubble teams or even, you know, kind of a little higher seed list. And so it will be interesting to see what the committee does. There's only been three examples ever of a team with a with 15 losses getting into the NCAA tournament. Coincidentally, all three of them have been S T C teams.
1: Collin Sexton, Alabama. We had... I think the first year of Bryce Drew or Vanderbilt like had the greatest strength of schedule that the world has ever seen. Perhaps. And then la- last
2: was it
1: was it a Mike White Florida team? It was. That's Ooh. impressive. Had a boy? I remember Come the on. Colin Sexton buzzer beater in the SEC tournament to punch their ticket. Yes. Yeah.
0: It was just sick. Yeah. So it will be interesting. Like Oklahoma last year had the 15 losses. The great Ken Palm didn't get in. They had some great wins too, really elite wins. I don't I don't think when you look at like Oklahoma State's resume that they have that type of win. i do not when you look at Wisconsin. I mean, Wisconsin at least is the road win against Marquette. But it, it will be very interesting to see what happens with some of these teams. And again, part of it is the bubble will probably shrink. We'll probably get a couple of bid stealers. We tend to. Um, that can help kind of answer questions for us but right now you're looking at, like is, is the committee really going to put in like 15 loss Oklahoma State who lost to Southern Illinois at home the non-con are they really going to put in like or are they going to like roll the dice with you know Oral Roberts who's never won a you know hasn't beaten a team over like two uh, or they've been one team, like in the top 100 this year
2: it's gonna be very interesting to see I think uh, ideal first four matchups. Maybe what about Arizona
1: State and UNC? Yep. And with in Wisconsin and West Virginia. Wisconsin West Virginia might be a gross game.
0: That'd be a horrible basketball game, Brad. Like I, I think I would like try to refrain from watching it. Cause do we do we know what's up with Chucky Hepburn?
1: We do not. When I slept on the game yesterday. I was like, did he Chucky Hepburn get a new hairstyle? And they're like, no,
0: that's on McGee. McGee. No, it was concerning. He didn't return to the floor at all. And that usually does not imply good things. He was like, grabbing at his knee, and I had I had hoped it was just, you know, bumped a knee with someone, but if he's out, I mean they're they're not a very good basketball team. They're not a very good basketball team with him, quite frankly.
1: No. I think what? every six seed is is dreaming for Wisconsin there.
0: Well, Wisconsin has done a nice job, and they're another team that has you know really limped to the finish. They are um, they started 11 and two, since five and ten in that stretch. Their wins are home Penn State, not a tournament team. Road Ohio State, not a tournament team. Road Penn State again, not a tournament team. Home Michigan, sure, and home Iowa. So, they beat one tournament team in that stretch, Iowa. And Iowa hasn't done anything away from home all year. So,
1: Isn't it crazy how, like, we were talking – or so, like, all last year Kobe Bufkin was so hyped up and he didn't live up. And then the whole offseason we're like, well, he's a breakout guy because everyone liked him last year. And then it it wasn't, like, any buzz on him or anything. And all of a sudden it was like, snap your fingers, he – He's actually balling out, and, and he's a first round pick. And he I don't.
0: I think the first round pick stuff is a little overplayed right now, because he is small and he's not a great shooter, but he's shooting it really well right now.
1: Very slender, yeah.
0: He's yeah, but he's tough, man. Like I love that kid. Like I draft him in a heartbeat. It's just he's got a. I I think I think I like him more as like an early second, but he has played himself into that consideration, no question. And they've got a big week ahead. Road, Illinois. Road, Indiana. Got to find a way to win at least one. Probably, if you don't want to have to do a ton in the Big Ten tournament, you got to win both. But I think realistically, they're probably going to have to do both. um, If they want, or they're going to have to do some stuff in the Big Ten tournament. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, last year, Indiana was kind of that hungry team that played its way in. We'll see if this year, uh, it's Michigan. Michigan was right on that bubble, too. They won the, uh, who did they play last year in the Big Ten tournament to kind of play themselves in? Oh no, they lost to Indiana, and we thought, oh, maybe that knocks them out. And then they, they snuck in at 17 and 14. And then the committee had no idea out. they lost the game.
1: So hmm? the committee had no
0: idea they lost that game? That was that was well, that was the stretch where from like early February on, they just traded results. They beat Purdue, then lost to Ohio State, then beat Iowa, then lost to Wisconsin, then beat Rutgers, then lost to Illinois, then beat Michigan State, then lost to Iowa then beat Ohio State, then lost to Indiana. Then got to the NCAA tournament, and its first, second straight win in a while was beating Tennessee uh, to get to the Sweet 16 before eventually losing to Villanova.
2: Yeah,
1: they, they made the Sweet 16 last year. I remember that, that uh, Colorado State game was like the first game
0: of... Yes. Was that the first game of Thursday or the
1: first game of Friday?
0: First game of Thursday, I was the there. Game. Colorado State was up 28-13. to 13. Uh, and then they, they gave up a they gave up an and what did they give up like an, yeah they, they gave up an and one um, and then on the ensuing inbounds off the and one Isaiah Stevens got his pocket picked by Frankie Collins for a layup and then like the, the comeback was on it was like oh shit and then uh, yeah they made the push out of the half and and won that game well Isaiah Stevens was so bad. In that game, it was brutal. Didn't, um, um, didn't
1: Devante Jones like have COVID or something? Or he like, came late to the team or something? I think he was concussed. He was concussed.
0: And he was like, is- coming out of the protocol, and they weren't sure he was going to play. And then the concussion and the COVID are the only things you talk about the protocol with. So it's easy to confuse them.
1: Coming and then there, for, for, for this crazy. year, I, I found it really interesting how much – Um, Juwan's gone at the two big look playing Dickinson and, and, uh, tears Reed together.
0: It has been fairly recent that he started to do this, but it has worked.
1: I remember early in the season watching them and seeing them both out there as well.
0: Um, well, yeah. And they also do like the will cheddar thing at the four.
1: I, I mean, how much hype did a Yusuf Kahat get in the off season? He barely plays at all. If, if any, um, Joey Baker hasn't played much for, I, I, I was in on the the Terrence Williams breakout this year. That has not happened. Um, Yeah, Buffkins emerged. Dickinson's really good, and their role guys are starting to come along. Uh, I think Jets should be back, they were saying, for this week.
0: Yes, I believe so.
1: So we will see if Michigan can make that push.
0: It feels inevitable that they're going to be right, right around the bubble.
1: And that's that's another team, you know, wasn't because of a scheduling enforcement, but that Christmas time loss of central Michigan might end up dooming uh dooming the, the Wolverines.
0: And they're also I mean their metrics could have been more torpedoed by the fact that they struggle with eastern Michigan, struggle remember, with Ohio. Remember
1: that Ohio um yeah. Was it was it like a banked in like half court buzzer beater? No, oh, no,
0: no. So they Ohio like completely choked down the stretch. They were up like they were up a bunch. Choked it down the stretch. They're down two with like a second and or two to go. Huh? And and they fouled because they didn't know the score, right? Well, no, no, no. Well, Ohio, I think they did, but the next, but but Ohio. Somehow got the thing to overtime by throwing. It was they threw the a full court like heave, and it went off the backboard, and then was rebounded. Well, the clock doesn't start until it's touched. Rebounded by the guy and like put in the basket. That was the most insane thing I'd ever seen in my life. Yeah, Michigan. Michigan was down.
2: Michigan was down.
1: How much? Ohio throws full court inbounds pass off backboard to force, force overtime versus Michigan. Yes,
0: yes, yes. So, so Ohio was up like seven though, with like four minutes to go, and choked, couldn't make a shot, and then randomly threw the ball off the backboard, got themselves a.
1: Yeah, I'm watching the play. They did the uh, pass across the baseline, and then he did like an overhead launch that like hit the rim. The guy missed the first shot, and then rebound put back. Go overtime.
0: Very strange, but yeah. But they played with their food a lot with some of these buys, and finally got burned. But it couldn't worse. Like they could have lost at home to Lipscomb. They could have lost at home to uh, Ohio. They could have lost. You know, they could have had a second, and that would have been real devastating. But they're 11 and 7 in the league. Part of that is, you know. They still have two road games left, which not a lot of teams do, so that's kind of skewed in a little bit. But they've kind of done their work, just dug themselves a bit of a hole. And I think like two and ten quad one games. So.
1: And really, the only team that, that's been lifeless in the Big Ten is Minnesota. I mean, Ohio State had had a good start, and, and they played some close ones, and they beat Illinois on on Sunday. Nebraska's obviously won like eight games at this point, uh, but it's just Minnesota that they have the one win against Ohio State on the uh, Fox behind-the-scenes broadcast. Yes, they've gotten like wrecked by everyone. They're completely non-competitive.
0: Otherwise, it would be a really bad year because all the other wins this year are Western Michigan, Saint Francis, New York, Central Michigan, Cal Baptist, Arkansas Pine Bluff, and Chicago State, and they beat Pine, they beat Chicago State by three. Cal Baptist by one in overtime, Western Michigan by one. I mean, it was ugly stuff.
1: They got wrecked against DePaul, uh, and that was DePaul without Ongenda or Caleb Murphy. Uh, Angenda, who came back with, like, five games left in the regular season, which is very bizarre. But back back, back to Minnesota, um, it was so surprising because that team last year had su- such, fewer, su- such fewer talent, but they were so feisty, and they won – Whatever a four or so games, uh, but it left you with the warm and fuzzies. You know, made made you feel like maybe this thing was going somewhere. And now they got two of the best players in the Big Ten, at least in the preseason, yeah. with Jameson Battle and Dawson Garcia. They have not played like two of the best yeah, players. Battle
0: ever. struggled. Peyton Willis, they've missed, and Garcia's. You know, I don't know if he's a winner.
1: It's not going to happen. I don't think. Um, yeah. I, I sold all my stock during that Depaul game. He, he was absolutely atrocious. Um, but now they're obviously in last place. Their two stars are not playing like stars. Their top recruit is on the move, potentially to Louisville, according to crystal ball action. Which well, can uh, you imagine?
0: Can you imagine like Dennis Evans calling Ben Johnson and being like, "Hey, I'm sorry, coach, but I think I'd like to reopen my recruitment." Um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I appreciate everything, but I'm hoping for a chance to win. And then, like, next day he calls, picks up, he's like, Oh, Louisville? Yeah, it sounds good to me. Let's give Louisville it a
1: Louisville has two ACC wins, right?
0: Maybe, maybe he can go play point guard. We can play guard yeah. for Louisville.
1: But, I mean, Evans probably is not going to be very good next year, like, as a skinny 7 2 guy, uh, as, you know, as a he freshman. He might
0: block some shots. He might block some shots.
1: Yeah. Um, but like this is this is the the perils of trying to rebuild this way. Where like what's calling what's stopping someone who needs a center from calling for Payne up? What's stopping someone who needs a combo forward from calling uh, Ola Joseph up? You know, so Nebraska's teetering here. Or Nebraska's not teetering. Min-
2: Minnesota's teetering here. No doubt.
0: No doubt going to be uh yeah he's going mean, ben ben will stick his ben will stick out he will not get fired this year
2: but i would be
0: uh i'd be a little concerned the next year is it
1: did you watch your uh, northwestern wildcats versus maryland i did maryland was outstanding i i, I watched until the providence game started and northwestern looked good Odish looked really good you know, they were doing their kind of patented, like finding Barnheiser for a bucket, finding this guy for a bucket. Um, and then Maryland just started hitting some perimeter shots. Uh, Jameer Young hit a couple tough ones. Martinez hit one. And uh, Maryland pulls away. Yeah, I mean,
2: they, they have been awesome at home. Except against
1: UCLA. Yes. Dur- during that UCLA game, I thought that was the beginning of the end for Maryland. I I, I thought that was, you know, because then they, I think, either right before that or right after, got blown out by Michigan. So at that point, it looked like Maryland was turning downwards, but Kevin Willard able to right the ship, um, and they'll be, you know, six, seven, eight seed in the NCAA tournament, no
2: doubt. They might. I mean, I don't think they can
0: rise much higher than a six, but they're they're very good.
1: Great great guard play with Young. They got veteran wings with Scott and Hakeem Hart. It, just just a well balanced group.
0: Yes. I want. I, we should mention in the Big Ten the Indiana Purdue game, which I went to. Um, I don't know if you watched that, Brad, but that was an incredibly impressive aggressive, um, shot making display by Jalen Huchifino.
1: Yeah. I, I, I did not catch this one. So you're gonna have to fill, fill our audience in on Huch, Chofino's exploits.
0: Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like you kind of knew going into the game that Purdue was going to play a bunch of deep drop and, you know, weren't going to let trace hurt them. And it was going to be to make mid-range jump shots. And he did. I and mean, he took 22 two-point shots in this game. How many times ever would you see a guard take 22 two-point shots in a game? Um, but he was, you know, simply outstanding. Um, was so poised, which I think is obviously such a huge deal in an atmosphere like that. And they gave up the first six points. And you're looking up like, oh, oh, like this could get ugly, ugly, ugly. And he just settled down. He made a big shot. Got him into the game, generally took care of the ball very, very well. Like, he was simply excellent. It was one of the best performances I'd seen by a player all year. Really, like, made me feel confident in saying I would take him in the first round. Um, and Purdue, I mean, look, he, he had 26 and 16, but he didn't feel overwhelming. And the guards struggled. I mean, Braden Smith was two for 11. Um, a lot of open shots the guys missed. I mean, you know. Mason Gillis had two wide open looks. Ethan Morton had a couple wide open looks because you know Purdue was kind of controlling the game in the first half. They were they were only up four at the break, but you just felt like they were you know they were ready to blow it up because Indiana's making all these mid range shots. You know Jackson Davis is silent. Purdue you know know, Purdue's getting all these free throws. They're dominating the glass, and then you come out of the second half and it's like Hujafino made a couple of plays. Galloway made a couple of plays. Producers all of a sudden on their heels a little bit, and they're getting wide open Ethan Morton three, brick. Wide open Gillis three, brick. Contested David Jenkins jumper, brick. And there was no real adjustments from Matt Painter um, when they ran into, okay, the deep drop isn't working. We're getting killed by Hutchifino. There was no zone, whatever. we're, We're sticking with this coverage. And I thought the one thing that I was really critical of Painter on was with like nine minutes to go in the game, Trace picked up his fourth foul. They take him out of the game. And almost immediately Edie comes out of the game in favor of Trey Kaufman. And again, I, I understand like Edie can't play 40 minutes. Right? Like he's human. He played 37 minutes this game. But that felt like the time to capitalize. They were starting to make a little bit of push. Trace gets his fourth foul. And it's like, all right, we're putting in Trent and Wren, which odd to me. So interesting game for Purdue, kind of the game that makes you worry about their March ceilings because the guards struggled again. I've been kind of bullish on the guards all year. You know, they've figured it out. They've found ways to make plays in big spots, but they've really come up flat here lately. And it does feel like the recipe is kind of out on how to beat this Purdue
1: team. Yeah, they, they have not played like an elite team as a – as of late. Um, I don't know if they're necessarily susceptible to any of these eight seeds any more than any other one seed. Um, you know, like if Purdue gets the winner of Rutgers in Missouri, I'm not sure I'm racing to put uh, either one of those eight, nine games into into the Sweet 16. But um certainly doesn't feel like this is a national championship team or anything like that. Yeah, I agree. For Indiana, what do you think they should do with Xavier Johnson? Isn't he set to come back soon? Do you try to use him as like a sixth man? Or do you just kind of throw him in there and uh, let let the talent prevail?
0: Yeah, I mean, it it is a weird one because their depth is really bad. I mean, they have – they got two bench points in that game. Their only bench guard is Tamar Bates, who has kind of fallen out of the rotation, really. I mean, it's been Huchifino and Galloway. I think the six-man thing is probably a good idea. I just think, like, Shafino has really figured out a way to play in ball screens. And obviously, that's a, that's that's the only way that Johnson is really effective. You're not like, putting him out there and, like, letting him play off the ball. So while Shafino can probably play off the ball, I would just be – I would be reticent to take the ball out of that kid's hand while he's playing. So I think the sixth man type of thing is a good idea. I think you bring him along slow. He's obviously an important piece kind of mentally for them. So I'm very curious to see where that thing goes because to me, like, I've got enough. Like I I would keep it rolling, but they also don't have a lot of depth. So I'd understand why you're like, we got to get this guy back in the fold.
1: In the end, another team in the preseason, we marveled at their depth with bringing Malik Renew and Tamar Bates and Jordan Geronimo all off the bench and kind of, kind of falling flat a little bit. Although Re, Renew will probably be very good next year as the
0: TJD replacement. Yeah, um, he fouls like crazy, though. Like he The game, I just think, is a little fast for him right now, and he like makes really weird rash decisions the the biggest one was there was a there was a play with like five minutes off the game like you know you're just trying to be solid and you know they like there's a long rebound to purdue and renew just like comes crashing into the guy and like wipes him out and gets a foul it's like one that's your fourth foul and you're dealing with foul trouble for race and trace already Number two, you just gave a foul and free throws 90 feet from the rim. Like, what are you doing? Like, like mind bogglingly stupid decision. So he's got to learn. But talent-wise, he's very impressive. Like, watching him warm up is a very impressive thing.
2: And think he was a, he was almost
1: at Mike White Florida if uh, Mike White had stuck around.
0: Yeah, him and the, him and Jalen Reed.
1: I'm a big Jalen Reed guy. That would have
2: been a killer future front court. Um
1: so we could talk about how St. Mary's looks a little rattled against against the Zags on Saturday night. Are we uh, surprised?
2: No. I'm not scared of Saint Mary's.
0: <laughs> not at all. Yeah, that was that was controlled the whole way by Gonzaga. Never really any game pressure. And and again it is worth noting, like Gonzaga that whole game in the first meeting too. And all of a sudden Aiden Mahaney shows up. Like you do wonder like what the narrative with same areas is if they lost both those games. The Gonzaga right, win kind of insulated them from all criticism.
1: Right. They'd probably be like an eight seed, right? With like crazy good metrics. Or do you think they'd be
0: probably eight? like a probably a six or a probably a six or seven. But seven. maybe seven and then if they lose to Gonzaga a third time they want to be an eight, you know.
1: And now there'll be a five or six, probably, yes, because teams, the whole
0: resume is like, hey, we played Houston close
1: because teams are coming with especially if if you're under the belief that the committee will care more about the conference tournaments this year uh any team that makes it to the big twelve or the big ten finals or have added like three three quality wins yes. um Other games. Oh, oh, we had a uh, San Diego State buzzer beater to kill New Mexico, and probably kill my theory uh, because San uh, San Diego State is going to end the
0: year ranked. Um, they will, They have been legit all year. Yeah. Dayton has mis- has underachieved. St. Louis is certainly underachieved. Wyoming. Yeah. Wyoming. I I give Wyoming a pass because they've never had like their team.
1: That's true. They they did send. Half their team home, um, yes. All, all their transfers, which yeah, w- 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 with the new transfer rule, now that there's sit out transfers again, that that is going to be an interesting effect on, on on roster building and retention. And guys like, you know, like a Brayon Freeman or like a, a, a Agbon below, um, who I don't think have graduated. Freeman definitely hasn't, but. Like Bompullo, I'm not sure what year he was in. Like, are they are these guys actually gonna sit somewhere else, or are they gonna somehow get the the green light uh, by by whatever new?
0: I'm all in on the sit out. Like, like I want guys sitting out.
1: So like, Breon Freeman's one guy who needs to sit out. But you know, he he was kicked off the team. The rumor was that his his family was heckling Archie Miller at at, at a game behind the bench. Um and there's just a lot of kind of I guess ir- irrational or whatever kind of behavior. What is, what level I mean, are, are you taking the risk on? Brian Freeman, like are, if you're Iowa, do you take him and have him sit out a year to get in your culture? Or I
0: don't, I don't take him as a high major. No, I, I take him at I I I Iona.
2: Yeah.
0: Right. Because think about it, the high majors have no reason. The high majors can just recruit. A freshman. If they want a kid not to play, just recruit a freshman. Right. A kid like Brandon Fruit has been in trouble. I just take, you know, I I want the, I want the, I'll, I'll take, you know, I, I think Iona, I think, you know, Hofstra, like that level to me is like taking that kid. Gotcha. So, so we'll what what
1: level, so do you think there's any level of player, any like realistic level of player who would transfer? Knowing they have to sit out and a high major team in and, and, and high major teams would compete for his services.
2: Hmm. Like what yeah.
1: what if Andre Curbelo transferred or something? Do you think high major teams should should, should go or is that the same situation? Yeah, I,
0: mean, I don't think even if he could play right away, I think they should take him, you know? I think the the, the issue you're going to run into is that you're going to have a lot of kids who have like one year or two years left.
2: That's very tricky. Right? Like, are you taking a sit-one-play-one? No.
0: Probably not. Maybe Arkansas would. Yeah. Because Musk loves to take the sit-one-play-one. He did that in Nevada a bunch. With, like, Treshawn Thurman and those guys so
1: this is that'll that'll be an interesting wrinkle as well it's a whole it's a whole new world because you have the one-time available transfers you presumably still have grad transfers and then you have a a sit-out transfer so um
0: we'll see
1: who, who can take
0: advantage there and there is a rule and this is an interesting one it is this will not really impact things this year because it takes effect with kids take in this year. So it doesn't really impact this year's guys, but in the moving forward, there's a rule that if you take a transfer and then he transfers again, you cannot, and he's not a graduate, like he's an undergrad. You cannot take another transfer you cannot you no know, you can't take another player spot until he signs at another school
2: what
1: wait a second so if you're st john you can't run it's, it's trying to stop runoffs so if you're running st. Off
2: John's
1: and andre curbello says i'm out of here Mike Anderson cannot use the 13th scholarship until Andre Carbello picks a destination. I
2: think only if it's run a runoff.
0: So Cervello, I think, it would be okay. But like, so for instance, like if
1: I'm who's claiming the, it's a runoff? Obviously, the players claiming it's a runoff. Well, I think the school would too. But then the school can't use the scholarship until the player has found a
0: spot. I have to. I have to look at the wording. But it, what it, it is meant to do is to prevent teams from taking a transfer, immediately eligible, and running them off. It's like if Loyola Chicago wanted to run off Sheldon Edwards, right?
2: In future oh, okay. years,
0: it would be harder to do. Hmm. Which, again, I understand. It just seems like you're complicating things for no reason.
1: Right, because, like, does, like, NAIA count as a destination? Does
0: junior college, does... Any destination, yes. Yeah. But if, but, but for instance, in this, and this was something I was talking to a coach about, if, and again, this won't be an issue this year, presumably. But in the future, let's say you run the kid off, the kid's summer classes at the new school don't start till July 1st your summer class start June first, that means that kid's not gonna get to summer
2: school with you. Your new kid. Quite a mess. Wait a second.
0: So if you took a kid or if you run off a kid and he yeah. signs at a new school and their summer school doesn't start till July first. That kid enrolls he in school can't July sign 1st. the transfer
1: until he's enrolled
0: at the other school? You can't officially give him paperwork now.
1: The other guy is like on campus.
0: At on campus, enrolled.
2: This is really
1: wacky. What if, what if the guy, what if the?
0: You're asking me questions I probably don't have the answer to.
1: Right. So like Andre Curbelo, right? I'm transferring. Yeah. Mike Anderson can't use the 13th scholarship until Andre Curbelo makes a decision. Andre Curbelo makes a decision on June 2nd. I'm done with college basketball. Yes. Does St. John's get to use that scholarship, or did can they not use it until next year?
0: I think if he signed something like, I'm done, he'd be, they'd be okay. But I don't know.
2: They don't really like, think these rules through when they put them in. <laughs> like, everyone should be able to transfer
1: at any time. It doesn't hurt anyone. The best players of the best teams are not going to transfer. There's going to be like three of them the whole the whole the whole transfer portal.
0: With Tyrese Hunter. Yeah, that's that that was the one I was thinking of. Kendrick Davis, Pete Nance. No SMU, come on. Northwestern,
1: come on, they stunk with uh, Pete Nance. They they had to get rid of him.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Same same with Nevada with with uh cambridge and washington
0: um doubt, yeah. but it there's, is yeah it's really interesting spring ahead coach carousel we have no old miss already open could be so, a chris beard landing spot
1: yeah all all the uh, anonymous coaching search twitter people whatever they say i, I just take as gospel uh, <laughs> so old Ole miss is between dusty may and chris beard uh so basically they they're, they're they're vetting Chris Beard to see if they could actually hire him, and if not, they'll go with Dusty May. Which, yeah, that's, that's a pretty good move. Um, Seems
0: reasonable, cool. yeah. I've I also mean, Dusty, seen, May, Dusty May just feels extraordinarily similar to Kermit Davis, right?
1: Less accomplished.
0: Right, because Dusty's, yeah. well, Dusty's one team is better than either Kermit team.
1: Right? Um, Mid- Middle Tennessee had some dudes, they – they were Chick-fil- 15, Lers. they beat 2C Michigan State. Yes. They had uh, Giddy Potts. Remember Giddy Potts? Yeah. They, Reggie Upshaw. They, had, they upset Minnesota with R- R- Richard Petino. They were
0: like favorite in that game, too. Yeah, was really that was funny.
1: a 6 11 game they were favored in.
0: 5 12. Oh, 5 oh. 12. Uh but it, yeah, I, I like Dusty. I think that's I mean again, Dusty is a tough job. Like I you people don't understand it's not a good job or it has not been a good job historically. Um But it would feel like, all right, well, we hired this conference USA guy who had like, you know, some some background. He recruited some good players, didn't work out. Let's hire Dusty Man and do the same thing. Like I I I would hire Beard. I really would. Yeah,
2: I I mean if you think he's cleared, you have to hire him.
0: I mean He's cleared, like he's cleared in the legal system. So at that point, it's just unless the SEC commissioner is going to try to stop you from doing it, like they did with Hugh Freeze for many years in football, um, unless the commissioner is going to stop you, like the only thing that's stopping you is PR. So figure out the PR.
1: That that's like people are are, are trying to play the PR card with like Rick Rick Pitino, where you got some old. Message board grumps being like, I'd never hire that guy. He's a stain. It's like, oh, well, Chris Beard allegedly, you know, had domestic violence. Wasn't Rick patino's biggest biggest crime in infidelity? Yeah, that's n- not the same. Rick, Rick patino's getting lumped in with Chris Beard. I've seen it many a time. It's true. Uh, well, know, at this point, process. like
0: we've I mean, got, we've got the, we got the, we got the, you know, the, the murder case in Alabama. Nobody cares. Well, people are trying to pretend like they care. People who actually care about college basketball don't care. It's only like the people who parachute in on basketball, like, oh my gosh, this is nonsense.
1: A lot of people were very upset about the pregame ritual for Brandon Miller. Which, listen, I'm cool with you being upset that he brings a, a gun. Well, see. P- I think a lot of people think he gave the gun to the murderer. He gave the gun to the person who gave the gun to him. There he is. Um, yes. I, I, I understand being upset about that because that's like, even if it's not against the law, like, a guy representing your programs like driving it's guns. It's a bad one. No doubt. No, no, no. But to be upset about the pregame handshake thing is like the biggest witch hunt I think I've ever seen in my entire life.
0: Well, well, the only thing about the pregame handshake is it's just, like, incredibly poor judgment.
1: Right? No, but like, if, if you were cleared of a crime, would you think to stop doing a pregame handshake that you've done for every game this year that is no. is t- very tangentially re- related? It's, like, three levels of symbolism related to the crime you were cleared
0: of. Okay. Sure. I guess I guess the way I would put it is this like you're in the spotlight all week because of this even like, if you're not thinking of it cuz you have a million other things to think about like there has to be someone in the program a GA a manager a director of player personnel who has seen the or the, the, the SID like someone's got to see it or think about it and be like hold on a second like we do this like pat down thing of him before the game and someone's going to like like you were asking for it to go viral i guess is my point like it was a stupid like because it comes across as very like callous it comes across as like oh we don't care like haha you 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 couldn't catch me you couldn't get me in trouble like i'm still here even though i obviously again i don't think it is i think it's literally just this is what they do this is the celebrate this is the pre-game move whatever like it's just like the optics of it are like you are still you are rubbing it in your, your fa- in our faces that you're doing this. You know. I, I don't know what people want
1: Brandon Miller to like do though. Do they they want him to like go like ask to go to prison? I, I'm not exactly sure what they want from Brandon Miller.
0: They just want him to not be on the team because it's like college playing college basketball is a privilege and it's like okay, but like everyone in college basketball is like do like uh, I'm not saying like Brandon Miller is like not do like what he did, wasn't worse or like or like what he's said didn't just play an even worse stock of like there's shit you don't hear about like the number of like covered up like the number of covered up DUIs the number of covered up you know like minor drug offenses there's all this nonsense that these that college basketball players generally get away with because they're college basketball players and to me I mean it is a very poor sense of judgment but it is like it is no it, it is no different it is, it is a different scale potentially because a woman's life was ended because of it. But, like, at the end of the day, like, it's just another, to me, it's another case of college kid makes poor decision. Right. And I think, I think the thing is, the thing that I struggle with is I say, oh, well, Alabama should have just suspended him and Bradley for a few games right when the incident happened while they were like getting cleared. But, like, would it have been good for Alabama? Or good for Brandon Miller to like announce publicly that Brandon Miller was part of the crime before that the cops did, because the cops wouldn't have answered like any details about the situation because they can't really. They would say, oh, he's not a suspect, but Alabama would be benching him because he was involved, and people would be like trying to figure out why he was involved. It'd be like horrible PR. Then like when you'd bring him like once he's like cleared, you know, he's clear of the crime, he's clear of all wrongdoing, whatever. And then they bring him back, and it would be just the same backlash. Now it's like, oh yeah, like Brandon Miller was, you know the like, like, because like, let's say like, right, like, like, let's say they sit him down for like three games while the cops were investigating this whole thing. Like, let's say there was like a time where the cops didn't know whether Brandon Miller had committed a crime, and you know, they're w- waiting and seeing. Like, so they spent it for three games, and then they're like, okay, he's cleared, he can go. He starts playing again. People like, okay, no, didn't think much of it. Then the police report comes out, and the same thing is tr- true. It would still be like, it would have been like this. It wouldn't have been quite as bad if I would, like the NATO's quote wouldn't be quite as bad. But like, it still would have been like, holy shit, Nate, you know, Brandon Miller provided the murder weapon. Like, he's a you know, horrible person. This guy sucks, right? Like, I don't see how this would have changed anything. Like, the flow, the flow of it was just like, it just a, it's just a messed up situation. It's nothing, I don't know that there's much you could have done to like make it go any better. It's just like, it, feel, it feels wrong that he gets like no punishment. But it also, like, you you can't spend him a half. You can't spend him a game for, like, poor judgment, you know? It's kind of seems odd.
2: I mean,
1: if he truly was just a witness, then right. that can't be a reason for a suspension that you witnessed a crime. I I saw people floating the theory that he's a, a cooperating witness, that he's turned on uh,
0: Darius Miles and, and, and the murder guy. But, well, I don't know if he turned on him. He just told the truth, I guess, is what the cops were saying. So I don't know. It's, it's just a mess. Like, and, and Alabama has handled it poorly with Oates, and you know, it's unfortunate that it's going to cloud them. It'll be interesting to see how they navigate. I mean, they were very good against Arkansas in the second half. I don't know if you watched that game.
1: I did. Um, but right after these allegations came out, they, they 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 went to overtime with South Carolina, right?
0: I told, I, I said, um, at the time, it, it was very reminiscent to the Rice game for Texas the day Texas. after Beard.
2: Um, but, like, the, this is obviously very di- very different, the uh,
1: next point I'm going to make. But it, it, it's the same theme, theme of, like, what are you actually asking this guy to do? Um, and this isn't criminal, obviously. Um, but whenever I go to the Georgetown message board, I always see people say, like, if Patrick Ewan cared about this team, he would resign. And I'm pretty sure I saw people saying that on the Louisville message board. I'm pretty sure I saw people saying that earlier in the year on the Kentucky message board. I I, 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 I see it whenever a team is doing poorly. There are people who will suggest if this coach actually cared, like he says he does, he would quit and forego 11 million dollars. What they're asking Patrick Ewing to do is. See, I I care so much about Georgetown that I will give up $11 million so Georgetown can start an an inevitable coaching search one month early. $11 million that he's unfortunately contractually owed because of a goofy extension. Just another one of those, like, do you hear yourself? Like, do you honestly are are asking – for Patrick Ewing to give up 11 million dollars to show people that he cares, what does care even mean?
0: Right, it's not like Georgetown fans will like feel better about Patrick yeah, Ewing if sure. he had, like quit. If he had quit on like January 20th versus like getting fired, Georgetown they're not gonna be like, wow, he's so noble, you know.
1: I guess they really wanted like Patrick Baldwin Senior to coach the stretch run or something but
0: who might be a worse coach than Patrick Ewing
1: uh, probably definitely a worse
0: coach I don't know if you can say definitely I mean Patrick Ewing is one in what What one in 38 or two and two and 37 in his last you know yeah two two, in. two and
1: 37 which is which is pretty hard to fathom I mean you kind of think like I, I think you and I could do a little bit better we've touched on this almost as much as the Louisville stuff but the fact that you go, over oh, for last year, you improve every position on your roster, you improve your depth, you get you get good freshmen in. in Denver Anglin was like a, a really good recruit who was supposed to be one of the best shooters in the country. They literally improved every position. They got like an all-Big East caliber talent at Brandon Murray. They got their all-Big East caliber center back in Kudus Wahab, who didn't come back as Kudus Wahab. But they they literally improved every position, and they basically are just as bad as last. I, that's that's un, un, unimaginable. I remember in the yeah, preseason yeah. Seeing, seeing Georgetown fans saying, "Guys, we're 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 making the tournament. We got so much talent now." And I remember thinking, "Those guys are idiots. They're they're nit. They're not going to the tournament." And then you look up and they're freaking two twenty whatever. It is wild, no doubt.
0: But yeah, things are strange. Um, There's a lot of like weird things hovering over college basketball right now. Um, Hopefully games and weekends like we just had will continue to be the norm here down the stretch. And we will have lots of, you know, epic moments to remember this season by and not New Mexico State hazing and Patrick Ewing and Kenny Payne and Brandon Miller and all this nonsense that we've, had to really worry about throughout the season, but it's gonna be fun. Conference tournaments this week. Brad, will you watch? Do you, do you are you like a randomly flip on the you know cr, you know crummy quarterfinal if the team is in trouble, or do you just Absolutely. keep an eye on all the basketball?
1: No, I I had tried that in the years past. I I can't get into the Big South quarterfinal or whatever. I, you'll watch you'll watch the championship, but depending on the teams. Sure. Like there were there were a few Winthrop ones I definitely watched. I think it was a Coastal That's Carolina buzzer beater back when Coastal Carolina was in the Big South. There's um, obviously watched a ton of Arch Madness final. I watched all the Belmont Murray Moorhead battles of the previous o- Ohio Valley. I've watched some Liberty a Sun. I've watched some Florida Gulf Coast a Sun. Um, I think I watched a North Florida one. So. Yeah, I'm pr- you usually pretty good about the the first the first week mid major stuff. Yes, it's the the Saturday ones where you had, you, you have to pick between power conference and in in mid major, uh, where I'm kind of limited to just like the America East that uh, that's usually early Saturday. The Big and you West, might do the Mountain West one. Yeah, and then the um Big West is usually late Saturday um but i kind of get lost with the the ones in the middle
2: yes but anyway it's gonna
0: be exciting it's gonna be a lot of fun we're looking forward to it we will have another pod for you next week get you ready for selection sunday and then obviously preview the bracket for you once we have it so appreciate you joining us and we will uh, uh, see you all next week
2: on the pod